Hello, good morning, and welcome to episode 92 of Life Song Radio. Hey, I'm Jimmy Hicks along with Phil Ramsey, and welcome back in for another episode of the program. Good morning, Phil. Uh, good morning, Jimmy. How are you, sir? Doing doing good. Uh, I see you got the website up we talked about last week. Yeah, I did, and I did. All the bugs, I believe, are, are worked out. All the kinks are worked out. Uh, you know, hopefully nothing pops up, crops up, but uh, it's it's up and going, lifesongradio.com. Tell me what they're able to do here. What, what's on the website? Well, the, uh, the show, for one, uh, that's the main thing. Uh, it's all hosted there uh, and feeds to iTunes and all. So uh, uh, the show is on the website. Blogs. We yeah. Blogs. My, yeah, mine and yours. Uh, Jimmy likes to talk, so he needs a blog. I do. Uh, i got to have an outlet. So um, uh, that is there. Um, let's see. Uh, the gospel you can contact us uh you know just just about you know normal typical type of stuff uh that you would expect uh but mostly it's it's the program and then uh just uh you know during the week the things that you and i encounter in our studies you know just uh especially me using it as a as an outlet All right well i'm excited about today's show uh, it's centered around evangelism and the gospel and mm. I've had more than one person tell me, because when I talk to people, it's usually the gospel. Yeah. And and then they say, do you do you know anything else, Phil? Is that all you know? Yeah. Is that all you can talk about? And the answer, that's about it. That's about all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> but uh, it's my passion. It's how uh, it's how uh, God calls people. And right. and I don't know who's saved, who's not. So when I talk to people, I try to. Uh, if I don't know them, I try to build some type of relationship with them but eventually figure out where they are and uh go from there but it's it's what drives me to get up in the morning that's right that's right and uh, i'm excited about the program today as you said uh, i have a special guest in the studio uh he's probably um just the little time that i've been around him he's probably the most seasoned person that i've ever been around as far as uh, the gospel goes right yeah and he's He'll, I'm sure he'll share his story with us, but it's Mark Sharp. Yeah. So uh, we're excited to have him today. And uh, when we come back from the break, we're gonna we're gonna meet Mark and maybe get him to share a little bit of his testimony. And we're gonna discuss the gospel, evangelism, and maybe share a few stories that Mark has. And we'll be right back right after this on Life Song Radio. I'm so confused. I know I heard you loud and clear, so I followed through. Somehow I ended up here. I don't want to think I may never understand that my broken heart is a part of your plan. When I try to pray, all I got is her and these Joy, distracted by the noise. 
Song Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks, along with Phil Ramsey. Thanks for being here this week in an episode that uh, I know we're we're both really really excited about. Uh, you know, anytime you can spend some time talking about the gospel, uh, is uh, it's always makes for a good day. And we got a special guest in the studio uh, to joining us today, Mr. Mark Sharp. Mark, welcome. Hey, good good afternoon, Jimmy. Phil, good to be here. Mark, when we wanted to do a show about evangelism, and of course you can't cover the gospel in one episode. Matter of fact, it's you'll never be able to cover it fully until Jesus comes back again. But when we when we wanted to, to do a show on evangelism, I immediately thought of you, and uh, and of course you teach a class at First Baptist Church, and we'll talk about about that in a minute but take a few minutes and tell the, our listening audience who is mark sharp well um mark sharp is is uh, a normal person who has been saved by grace and uh, i'm married to my wife lydia i have two children uh, Anne Marie and John Mark, who are who are uh, young adults, and uh, just tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, we uh, have lived here uh, for the last thirty years. Um, I'm a native of Maryland, 
Maryland. Maryland, yes. South of the, of the Mason-Dixon line, they, they tell me. You wanted to get closer where God lived. Is that what you're doing back down in here? That, that is exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> he actually lives in Garland, but you're, you're pretty close to that. Well, you're in where, Atoka? I, I live in Atoka, okay. yes. That's nowhere near Garland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I'll live wherever you want me to live, okay? <laughs> you know, thank goodness, uh, thank the Lord, there was someone in my life a long time ago that was willing to share the gospel with me. And in my case right here, it actually happened to be my dad. Um, I'm actually the son of a preacher. Um, uh, I was saved at an early age, at age seven, and tell you what happened in my life um you know i've been in church all my life as well as a lot of people have been in church all their life that may not really be saved today um but i was in church all my life as long as i can ever remember and it was at the age of seven that i had a uh grandfather passed away and really in my life is the first time that i had ever really i guess experienced a, a death close to me and Although I love the Lord, um, you know, in my heart, I, I feel like I've always loved, loved the Lord. Uh, it, I've realized that I was, I was a sinner. And that sin, as the Bible says, separates you from the God who created you. And I guess the reality of death for a lot of people makes people ask questions. What happens to life? You know, what is life all about? What happens, what happens to me when I die? And, you know, that's really one of the most important questions someone can ever ask himself. And, you know, unfortunately, I believe that the vast majority of people who live here on earth don't have the answer for that. And so in my case, um, my dad was able to sit down with me and, and just go over everything what the Bible says about what it means to be saved and what it means to give your heart to Christ and to acknowledge that you're spiritually bankrupt and um, you know, and repent of your sin and ask Christ to save you. And I did that. I did that at age seven. And and I know that's an early age. Um, you know, I'm not sure what that age of accountability is. I think it's different for a lot of different people. But I think it's the age at, in which you realize what sin is. And for me, you know, perhaps it was the fact that I was in church uh, for many years prior to that seven years. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe that realization came to me earlier than it does some people. But irregardless, you know, were it not for my dad, for my mom and dad, um, be willing, being willing to share the gospel with me, and you know, I know I'm blessed to be, you know, to be from a family that that has a, a Christian heritage. But were it not for them, I don't know where I'd be today. Um, um, you know, it's a question that I've often thought about, and it, it's a it's a question that when I think about God's answer in my life, it makes me so full of gratitude that you know I can't help but look at other people in in situations that are young. And and my heart goes out to them because there's so many people that live in the world today, you know, especially here locally, who are born and they're born in the situations where uh, neither parent uh, is a Christian. And it's just hard to imagine being born and growing up in a world today with no Christian influence in your life. Um, where Where do these people know where to turn to? Um, 
where are they getting life's answers? Well, I'll tell you where they're getting life's answers. They're getting life's answers from all the wrong places. And, and that's really why we live in the world we live in today. It's why, why we have the, the issues, the problems that are going on today. Um, you know, we have a tendency, I think, to make life much more complicated than what God designed it to be. And I think what complicates it is everything that we put in our lives that distracts us from God. And I know in, in, in even in the generation we live in, they, the new generation, you know, I guess we call it the millennials, there is so much being thrown at them today that if you just go back, you know, when we were young, we didn't have nearly as many things thrown at us as they do today. And, you know, the distractions are so great. And unless there's a spiritual direction and a spiritual anchor, um, chances of them coming to Christ are, are going to be slim and none unless people are involved in evangelism. And I, and I fully, fully um, share that sentiment because I was—I lived 31 years of my life that way. I mean, entirely away from the Lord and didn't grow up in a house with a spiritual anchor. Uh, and, and it breaks my heart, uh, even as we sit here and talk about it and you begin to describe your life, it kind of takes me back to reflect on mine. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really by the grace of God that, that I come to know him, it's because he put people in my life who um, who were evangelistic uh, and, and, and shared the gospel with me. And you know, I'm reminded um, uh, of a couple instances. Of course, you know, you can read the Bible and, and see where the thief on the cross was was saved just moments before his death. And I can think of I can think of an example um, where I had the opportunity to share the gospel with with a ninety I think she was ninety three years old and she she made a decision to ask Christ to be you know ruler over her and she gave her heart to Christ. And it's just amazing to me when you think about God's grace and how long suffering he is and how he he can and can and will still save someone even in that age and and that truly is a, a a blessing it's a miracle to see you know it's one of the greatest sights in the world for me to see someone what i call you know a blue hair or some somebody that's yeah. old come to christ but to me an even more beautiful picture is to see a child come to christ because to think about someone giving their heart to Christ at an early age and to think about all those years that they'll live for Christ versus living a life not for Christ and all the heartache that goes with that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, coming to Christ, just uh, giving your heart to Christ just gives you, it, it just gives you a different perspective of reality because you're looking at, you're looking at life through the lens of God's truth instead of the lens of the devil's lies. Mm-hmm. And and that's really the difference between, you know, living a life with Christ versus living a life without Christ. Yeah. You said you what do you think? Of course we're jumping the gun a little bit, but let's roll with it. You got saved at seven. And, you know, God can save anybody, anytime, any age. Do you think it's could be dangerous? Because I remember, I've, I've talked to children. I think you have to know what sin is. You have to, you have to be able to know what repentance is. 
and to, and to turn from the sin and know that your sin nailed him to a cross. What do you think? What's your opinion? And I know you, I know we can't play God or anything, and we, we don't know, and only God knows the heart. What do you think when you see a, a child that's three, four years old? Does it raise a flag, or do you think this child might be too young? He probably doesn't understand the fullness of sin and, and uh, repentance and faith and all that, or do you think... Well, I think when you're talking about an age that young, um, I believe, and i, I got to be careful how I say this, but as a parent, you have to be very careful not to force your mm. child into something. Right. Because mm. um, you want them to be saved. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely want them to be saved. And, you know, there's been many people throughout the ages, and even today, that if, 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 maybe been in church all their life or they made a decision when they were early on in life and you know i go back to what the bible says in second corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 where it says you know we're to examine ourselves and you know so you examine yourself to see if you're in the faith and you know, you you prove it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know whether you're in the faith or not. And you know, another interesting thing is, you know, the Bible doesn't the the Bible doesn't verify someone's Christianity or their love for God by their past. It's always the present. Yeah, correct. So, you know, it's important that someone asks themselves, okay, you know, I hear it all the time. Somebody says, well, you know, I've been in church all my life, or, you know, I walked the aisle when I was 10, or I got baptized when I was 13, or, you know, it doesn't matter even if you were 50 and you got baptized. That does not save a person. Right. Baptism it doesn't save a person. Walking an aisle doesn't save a person. What saves a person is truly ex- experiencing the fact that you realize you are spiritually bankrupt because of that sin and acknowledging that and acknowledging that separation from God and acknowledging that only God can save you. And when that happens, the Bible says you're a new creature. Right. So, you know, back to this, if you're an adult now, it's important that we all examine ourselves. You know, is there evidence of, of being a Christian in your life today? You know, I love you know, for for anybody that has any doubt out there about their salvation, or they just they're just not sure about things, I love to point them to Matthew chapter five. You know, um, of course, Matthew is the first Bible of of the first book in the in the New Testament, and when you look at the last words that were written in the Old Testament, Malachi, you know historians, you know, biblical scholars, they think there's about a 400, 450 year, you know, period where God was silent. There was nothing said. And then you you have, you know, you have Matthew presenting Jesus Christ as as the king. And, you know, he's he's giving his first sermon, you know, there in Matthew chapter five, the first sermon that that Jesus has ever preached. And, you know, we, we, we call the first several verses of chapter 5 the beatitudes but when you look at that when you look at those beatitudes you know i like to look at this you know the very first one is blessed blessed are the those that are poor in spirit which you can substitute the word blessed with happy happy are those that are in spirit and what that means is realizing just that it's it's that sin 
you know, poor in spirit, you, that you are spiritually bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you're separated from God. And when, when you look at when you when you look at those all those issues that they're in the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are those that are poor in spirit, blessed, blessed are those who mourn, you know, in this mourning over sins, what that means, and blessed are those who who um, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, you know, those, especially that, that very first one, blessed are those that are poor in spirit, that is a characteristic. That, that, is, oh, that is really a requirement of being a Christian. But these other issues are really characteristics of the life of a Christian. So back to this question that people ask themselves all the time, because people really, they struggle with doubt. I run across people all the time, and you do too, where they doubt their salvation. Well, I, I love that Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Are you hungering and thirsting after righteousness? What what does that mean? Well, you know, are you hungering and thirsting after God? You know, do you have a desire to read the Bible? Do you have a desire to 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 worship him? Do you have do you do you talk to God in prayer? Do you do you tell others about Christ? And you know, this may sound harsh to some people, but I'm saying it out of love. If, if you're doubting your salvation, you need to have a serious sit down with yourself and ask yourself, do I thirst after righteousness? Because if you don't thirst after righteousness, you may not be saved. It's not up, it's not up to me. That's between you and God. But, but that's a serious question to ask yourself. Well, that's what new creatures do. New creatures have characteristics. And one of those characteristics is thirsting after righteousness. So that's me the the main evidence are you a new a new creature new creature because you can't when you're born again you're not the same person and if you are living the exact same life that you did before you uh confessed christ that's a red flag there's a change there's a change it's not perfection but there is a change in direction which means you're not going the same way you were you're going the opposite way, and yes, you are a sinner, but your life pattern says you're going towards Christ, you're thirsting after righteousness, you desire him, you desire the one that lives in you. You know, I read something recently that uh, that I loved, <clears throat> and it said that it um, talks about our two conditions, uh, being lost and dead and being alive in Christ. And and uh, the way uh, the, the author explained it is we can only make decisions based on our current nature and so if we're lost and dead we can't make decisions towards christ we can't make we don't have a hunger for the word of god because uh we don't have a knowledge of christ mm-hmm. uh, but when we're saved uh and, and we are that new creature then the decisions that we make even though we fall even though we uh, uh we sin and we stumble we don't stay there we always get back up and assume the position and we're always uh, uh we're always going to uh, to make decisions towards towards the word of god yeah, that, that's a great point you just made there um, about, you know, you, we still stumble. And I think that's I think that's something that some people don't understand. They think that when you become a Christian that you never sin again. And, and, and that's just not the case. You know, we're born with a sin nature. And coming to Christ doesn't fully wipe out that sin nature. And we will, we will, never, we will never be sinless until we get to heaven one day. Mm-hmm. But, you know... What it means, though, is that when we do stumble, when we do sin, we're convicted of it. The Holy Spirit convict, 
convicts us of it, and we're not happy with it. We we can't. A Christian cannot continue in sin and be happy. Yeah, right. And you know, thank you know, thank the Lord that. Um, you know that that he doesn't get so angry with us that he kicks us out of heaven. You know our salvation is secure. You know I like to look at you know on the uh, the alternative is that he says you know if you confess your sins he is faithful and just to, to cleanse you and to, or or to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness in First John one nine and you know we need to practice that mm-hmm. as as Christians to purify ourselves. To where we can be used again, because you know, just because you're a Christian, you know, if you want to live, if you if you want to have unconfessed sin and unrepented sin, you know, that the Holy Spirit convicts you over, and you refute, you hang on to that, you know, I'm a firm believer that that you be you will definitely be missing out on God's blessings from the standpoint He's not going to use you in ways that He would normally, because that sin is still even though you're saved, that sin sin is still between you and God yeah. and, and can keep you from being there's, used. There's a clog in the pipe. The flow is restricted because of sin. So confess it, clean that clog out or that flow is is there. Look, we, we jumped a little bit. Let's just, uh, we're going to come back a little bit to what we're talking about now, but Mark, you teach a class on Wednesday nights, or we just finished last night. It's on evangelism, conversational evangelism, and uh, I know it's been a blessing to many people, and I've already talked to a, a couple people already who uh, when they get up, it's on their mind. So they're realizing the people that come in front of them during the day, this is potential people God has put in their path to share the gospel. So tell me just a, uh, a quick thing about the class, and then you, you teach another class too, and tell me something about that also. Well, I do. Uh, First Baptist Church of Covington um, has allowed me the opportunity to, uh, my wife and I, Lydia, we, we actually teach we actually teach a class. It's a uh, college and career class, and this is for um, anyone who is, is out of high school. I'd say age group, you know, anywhere from out of high school to probably, you know, mid to late 20s, uh, you know, mid So mid, I, mid I 20s. would be a candidate. Is that what you're um, telling me? Not your mind. Your, well, your no. actual age. Okay, never mind. Senior. <laughs> So, uh, but we do teach that on Sunday mornings, and and if there's by by you know by all means, if there's anyone listening um, that that is in that age category, or, or if they know someone um, that's in that age category, it would be a great opportunity. It's a fairly new class. Uh, uh, we started teaching this class about maybe five five six months ago, so a lot of new new folks coming in and uh, it'd be a great opportunity but yes this class that uh, we just finished up on wednesday night's conversational evangelism actually um was an incredible class not because i was teaching it but just because of of the material that we went over and and the the the, the people that were involved in it because it was a very interactive class but what this what this class was really was uh, showing people uh, an easy, non-threatening way to share the gospel on a daily basis, whenever, wherever, under any circumstance with people. You know, of course, we're commanded to share the gospel. You know, um, Jesus told us to, to go and, and share the gospel and make disciples of all nations. So that is a command. But I have to tell you from personal experience, I don't think there's any uh there's any greater privilege that that I have 
and every believer has, is that, that, it, that then to share the gospel with a lost person. Um, you know, I think many times I've got a brother, I've got a brother who is a physician over in East Tennessee and you know, I love my brother dearly. And he's, you know, you, you know, some kids, they, you know, when they're little, you know, they say, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a fireman or, you know, policeman, you know, they know their career path and that's what they do. And my brother's always wanted to be a doctor as long as he's been alive and, and he's made, you know, he, he went through med school and he he fulfilled you know that dream and he's he's living the dream and and i've often thought you know doctors are very well respected people and for right for for the right reason you know they save lives and they help people but you know what i've never been to med school and and let's let's face it 99.9 percent of christians out there probably have never been to med school but you know we can we can be part of saving lives and and in a lot of ways, I mean, we're talking about saving lives for eternity. We're not talking about saving lives temporarily, because you know I've often th- I've often thought about this uh, about doctors um, and medical professionals who who bring people back from the dead. You know, they shock them. You know, you've you've all you we've all heard stories of people who've been brought back to life, and and I've often thought about. What a shame that would be for any of those people who have ever been brought back to life to die another death and end up in hell separated from God eternally. Um, you know, because, you know, the way I look at it, in, the, in reality, what good was that? What good was done bringing that person back to life? If he was going to spend eternity, and and I'm not I'm not against that. I'm all for it, you know, because obviously that would give someone even more opportunities to share the gospel with them. But you know, as a believer, I cannot live a life just totally ignoring people around me that I know that if they were to die today, that they'd go to hell. I mean, I, I and I don't really see how any Christian can. But they do, and why do you think that's the case? Of course, I was one of them, and yeah. I, I've got the answer. But what do you think? Well, you know, fear. You know, fear of fear of fear of approaching someone. Fear of not knowing what to say. Fear of being rejected. Well, and I think that's why what what you're doing with this class is so important because, you know, how else are they going to know unless somebody teaches them? And uh, you know, that's a big part of discipleship and being discipled. But let's face it, not everybody in our churches are are, are being discipled uh, faithfully. And so this class, uh, you know, I think it's 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 needed in every church. People need to know how to share the gospel. They need to know how to deal with rejection. They need to know how to deal with certain situations. Um, I mean, God calls people through the through the sharing of the gospel, and so it's like, and 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 I think I, I don't want to throw out any statistics because I don't know any, you know, I don't know the fact, but I think a very high percentage of of Christians of of professing Christians will die never never having shared the gospel with anybody, and I think it's all the reasons that you just said and just not knowing how to do it it's and, and like you said that the medical uh, analogy used it's like us having the cure for cancer and not sharing it with somebody yeah and and so we've got that cure that eternal cure i think we just need to know yeah. uh, so many more of us need to know how to do it yeah you know i think another reason um uh, i think another reason is just the, the way we've um, almost institutionalized church in a lot of ways. You know, we 
we, you know, I love First Baptist Church of Covington. It, it, it is a great church, and um, I love I love our pastor. Um, you know, Pastor Chuck Williams. Um, he preaches. You know, he preaches the Word of God faithfully every week, and you know, he he disciples us. He teaches us and, and teaches the Bible. But you know, there's no way that one man can evangelize all of Covington or all of West Tennessee. And and that's really not the way God designed it anyway. You know, God when when God gave the 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 command, he was giving the command to all believers. He wasn't giving the command to, you know, what 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 I call a you know, I think our mentality is that well, we we've hired a spiritual gunslinger to fight our battles. Well, guess what? Our pastor is not it's not on his shoulders to evangelize all of all of Tip, I mean all of Tipton County, all of West Tennessee. That's our role is the body of believers. Well, and you think about it, he didn't tell the pastor to do that. And actually, at the at the point when Jesus said that his great commission, the church has not been birthed yet officially. Uh, so that goes to every individual. So every individual is a, a commanded to do that to go to 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 share the gospel make disciples and uh, baptize those individuals and I was I was in Mark's class last night and I was you most people most people aren't going to come to church they're just not so I think and that shouldn't be our strategy to save our community if we're dependent on people in their lost condition which if you are lost in a lost condition the biblical description of you is not is not good you know child of wrath dead in sin an enemy of God so our strategy to win our communities should not be trying to get people in this condition to come into the building and hear the gospel from the gun gun slinger so we must go out to those individuals love on them sometimes you you got five minutes to do it sometimes it's more of a relationship most of the time i believe that's how it works yeah i mean and you think about uh look at the look how god used people all throughout scripture it's only natural that it's up to us because he 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 took me saved me at the time that he did at 33 or 31 years old through all that I went through. Why? Because I've been through some things where I can relate to certain people where you can't relate to them and sit down and have that conversation with them. The same with you. That's why it is on our shoulders. You know what I'm saying? A pastor cannot just, it's like a, you know, and I've heard the, I think Spurgeon used it. It's like standing up there with a five gallon bucket full of gospel and throwing it out and hoping that enough of it gets on everybody every week. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, that relationship is getting up next to them with that five-gallon bucket full of gospel and pouring it right on top right. of their head. Well, and uh, let me read this. The, the verse I want to quote is Second uh, Thessalonians 2.14, but let me just jump up to 13 a little bit. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. This is it right here. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the deal. So that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God calls through the gospel. And we should know the gospel and we should be willing to... uh, 
to share it with absolutely anyone. Nobody's coming to Jesus apart from his gospel. So that's why I'm so passionate about it, because we live in a, a terrible world, a very dark world, and we're, we are supposed to be the light of the world. So we need to go out and be the light to a dark world. I'll tell you, a, a skewed, um, I think, um, definition of the church that, that the world has, and, and maybe even churchgoers have. If I say the word church to you, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Building. Yeah, building on the street. And see, really, um, you look at the New Testament and when the church, you know, the early church, the early church did not have any church no. buildings. The church, the church, the church, yeah, homes underneath trees. You know, wherever wherever they could meet, and so you know, we have a tendency to think that the church is brick and mortar. It's the four walls and brick and mortar, brick and mortar with the steeple, and really, even the the biblical definition of the church is the body of believers. Mm-hmm. So, wherever we are is the body of believers. Right. You know, that is that is the church, and we represent the church. That's why it's very important as we're out and about living our lives. You know, Bible describes a saved person as the salt. Uh, salt of the earth and the light of the world. Well, you know, salt is preservative. You know, we're to preserve the gospel, you know, through our actions, words, and deeds while we're out too. But, you know, we're also the light of the world. But, you know, I believe that most people are truly saved outside the walls of the church. Mm-hmm. And then they come into the church. You know, the church, is a, church is a wonderful place to come and worship. And 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 even get saved. People can get saved, you know, by by hearing the gospel from from the pastor preaching. But you know, it's the it's the the worship of of of, of Christ, um, the fellowship amongst believers, the discipleship that goes in, in in church inside the walls. And that's why it's so important. You know, also, you know, when you run across someone that says that they're a believer. And they say, I don't have to go to church. Mm. You know, I don't need to go to church. You know, I, I, I very lovingly steer <laughs> them, them upside the head. <laughs> to, you know, to bring them back in because they're missing out on so much of what God gives us through the gift of the church. Yeah, and I think we get uh, we get so uh, caught up in the fact, uh, and, and maybe it's, you know, you talked about uh, being institutionalized these days, uh, traditionalized, but I think a lot of times uh, folks get so caught up in the fact that, you know, I'm giving God an hour and, a, and throwing a 20 in a plate and, you know, I'm done till next week. But the fact is, I think church, what we know on Sunday mornings should be a celebration of what has happened during the week because the real churching should be going on all during the week. Well, if you think about it, that when we do meet on Sundays, it's for, I believe, now lost people do from time to time come to church, and I believe there's lost people in the church, but it's designed for the worship of God, a worship of God. So it's for us. Uh, and I was talking to somebody the other day, and I was encouraging them to share their faith, but I said, here's the deal. I'm going to give you a challenge. Don't say the word church when you witness to them. And they said, well, how am I going to do that? Because what is the easiest way to, to witness? Where do you go, church? Yeah. Y'all need to come to my church. That's not the gospel. God didn't tell us to go promote church. He says, go tell the gospel. So think about that. Let that be one of the things you work on is uh, know the gospel, learn the gospel, and don't focus on locations. Focus on a person. And there's where the life comes from. Uh so we've we've been talking about the gospel, and the big question is, what is the gospel? 
Let me read something and then y'all input. Okay, I'm going to read Second Corinthians five. This is what I. This is the heartbeat of it for me. Second Corinthians five twenty one. For our sake, he made him to be sin who know who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me just read it one more time. For Phil's sake, he made Jesus to be sin. Jesus knew no sin. So that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. God being absolutely perfect without any sin. And Phil being totally bankrupt and corrupt took my sin and everyone's sin who would put their faith in him and believe in him. He took that sin and paid the penalty for that sin. When it comes to the gospel, I think we will all agree it starts with God and not man. So who is God? Well, God's perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. He is a good judge, and because he is a good judge, and we are, we have broken his law, he has to judge sin. And, uh, and we're in trouble. We need help. We need to be saved. And, and, and we have a fine to pay, and we don't have any money in our bank account. So we're in a bad, bad position. Well, when I think of the gospel... Um, just two words come quickly to mind. Good news. I mean, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, when I think of, when I think of, of, of talking to someone, you know, whoever's listening to this radio, um, may be in this boat. Uh, you may know someone that's in this boat, but there are a lot of, let's face it. There are a lot of bad people in this world today. Okay. But guess what? We're all born bad. Every one of us were born bad. And you talked about the love of God. Well, if you can think about it this way, I'm just trying to present a word picture if you're out there listening to it on the radio. If you could think of the earth, a picture of the earth, you know, we've all seen pictures of the earth out in space, but if you could think of a picture of the earth, we're here down on earth as a human, and you think of God somewhere out there in the universe, well, Sin, the sin in our life, and by the way, you know, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so we're all born with that sin, but that sin will eternally keep us separated from God, okay? That's what that sin does in a person's life. And so, you know, when you talk to people, you know, most people know, we talked a little bit about this last night, but most people, most people know the story of Jesus Christ. I mean, let's face it, our our calendar is based on that, okay? The greatest book that's ever been sold, the number, the, there's never been a book that sold more, more units in the Bible. So the world knows about Jesus. And if you ask the average person on the street, the vast, vast, vast majority of them would say Jesus, you know, died on a cross. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he died on the cross. Well, here's where, here's where it gets interesting. Most people that you talk to on the street don't really know why Jesus died on the cross. 
okay and there were two there were two um there were two thieves that that were hung on a cross at the same time he was and you know they say that jesus you know was nailed to a cross well jesus was god incarnate okay well do you really think that those nails were the things that were holding or is what held God or held Jesus on that cross? You know, you wouldn't have a very big God if nails could hold him to a cross. What held him to the cross was love, his love for man. And the Bible says, and, and I want everyone listening to this on radio to understand this. Bible says, God himself said, it's his desire, my desire that all men come to know me. So when he died on the cross, thank goodness he didn't die for just a small minority of people in this world. He died for Jew, Gentile, white, black, rich, poor. It doesn't matter. American, Asian, Chinese, Indian, every type of person. That's who he died for. So... You know, in those two thieves that were at were, were there, Bible says that one of them went to hell, one of them went to heaven. Well, they were both scoundrels. Now, Jesus was crucified as an innocent man. He was he died for our sake when he was guilty of nothing. Yet these two thieves, they died because they they were guilty. I mean, both of them were guilty. But how is it that one of them, the Bible says, went to heaven and one of them went to hell? And the reason being is because. The one gave his heart to Jesus and understood that Jesus understood his sin nature and understood who who Jesus Christ was and what he was what he had done for him and he repented of his sin and Jesus said today you will be with me in paradise while yet the other one didn't and and really if you, if you want to break it down you know the thief that died went to hell he never he never replaced himself with Christ in his heart. Whereas the thief that went to heaven, he got rid of self and put put Christ in his heart, even just for those brief minutes, moments before he passed away. And so... So Tim, Timmy was said this last night, you know, a lot of religion, well, all of them except our faith is based on works. What did the thief on the cross, what could he have done to earn salvation? He could do nothing. He was nailed to a tree. So he went to heaven not doing one thing. He crossed the finish line just like the Apostle Paul or any other disciple or any other follower who who lived their life. That You know, if I lived to be 80 and I got saved uh, when I was 10 years old, and I, me and the thief crossed the finish line by God's grace at the exact same time so it's not based on what we do it's based on what he did and it's salvation is free it's a free gift i always like to say this it is free if you're listening but don't let anybody lie to you and tell you that the christian life is easy you know what is it if to deny yourself doesn't sound easy to take up your cross your instrument of death and be willing to die for me doesn't sound easy hate your mother father children wife before you can follow me doesn't sound easy you will be persecuted people will mock you just like they did me but count it joy doesn't sound easy but i wouldn't trade it for nothing I wouldn't trade it for nothing. So it's not about works. Salvation, you can't buy it. You can't earn it. You're saved by God's grace through faith. Not what you do. 
but it's everything that he did, and it was enough. Well, Mark, uh, jumping into to a few other things, I know we're gonna uh, we're gonna cover some stories. I want to ask you real quickly, just out of my pure curiosity, um, I wish, and I think I shared this with Phil earlier. I wish. Um, you know, of course, you know, God sovereign has a plan and purpose for my life, uh, just like he does all of us. But I wish I would have been saved maybe a little earlier so I could have appreciated uh, Dr. Rogers when he was alive. I know you were uh, I know you were close to him. Uh, I, I'm drawn to extremely intelligent people, uh, probably because that I'm, why you called me to help you out on this program. Yeah. And it, it's probably because well, some I'm, people don't know Dr. Rogers. Some don't. So tell them who Dr. Rogers is. Dr. Adrian Rogers, yeah. Bellevue Baptist Church uh, pastor. How many years? Well, seventeen. No, 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 no. I was. Uh, our family was there for seventeen years while he he was a pastor. He was there long before us. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe thirty five, thirty five okay. years, something like that. Well, I'm drawn, like I said, yeah. to to extremely intelligent people, probably because I'm not one, and so I appreciate uh, appreciate folks, uh, and and he is definitely one. Just being able to go back and listen to uh, messages and sermons uh, that have been saved and preserved over the years. What was he like? What was he like to be around? Well, you know, Doctor Rogers was a very, um, what I would say, you know, you hear this term transparent, but he really was a very transparent and very real person. And the thing I think that 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 I I was so impressed with was watching him, and many times in 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 opportunities where you know they were the the what I call the, the high muckety mucks were in a room, you know, the, the officials, the, the wealthy, you know, you name it. And I saw him so many times, um, just look around the room and go approach someone that probably no one even hardly noticed or anything. And I've seen him so many times, lay his hands on people, pray with them, just talk to them. Um, you know, I, I don't think he was any respecter of persons from a standpoint. You know, he didn't he didn't just hobnob with a certain group of people because they were the in crowd. Um, he treated everyone really, truly, equally as, as best I could ever tell. And the thing I liked the most about him, though, is just his love for the love for the Bible. You know, here's the thing about reading the Bible and studying God's Word. There's a there's a really big difference in someone who lives their life um, with the Bible versus without the Bible. I mean, if you truly are hungry to know what God said in His Word, to me it gives you incredible wisdom. And there's a big difference between wisdom and knowledge. Look, I, I I've known people that know, you know, they've got degrees you know about a mile long you know they've 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 educated they've been educated at the you know what we call the the best institutions in the world and everything else but they've got very little wisdom and i think as the bible says wisdom comes from from above and you know if you want to live your life and be wise and and be full of wisdom study god's word um, you, you'll you'll be light years ahead of of anybody who went to Yale or Harvard who doesn't know the Bible or who, who doesn't doesn't love the Lord, and I think that's you know the thing about Adrian Rogers as far as his preaching goes, you know, I always thought that Adrian Rogers preached on a level that a ten year old could understand or maybe even younger, 
Um, he brought things down. It's just such a just such a simple message. It was incredible. He could be speaking on any topic in the world, and he would gather the attention of people because he would he would intermingle that with what the Word of God said versus what was going on, you know, during that period of time. And he, he just, he had a way of communicating in a way that, that I'm telling you, even, even the younger children would sit there and listen to him. And to me, that's what made him such a great, a great pastor and a great orator of, of the word of God. I mean, he was truly, he was truly blessed, you know, as far as, as far as the, that gift went. We're running out of time this week, guys. I know we're back up. We're up against the clock. So what we're going to do, Mark, is uh, uh, I know you've got a, uh, we've got some more uh, stories that we want to hear from you, and we want to um, uh, you know hear more from you. And we're we're just running out of time here. So let's let's feel let's let's continue the conversation, and uh, we'll cut it here. But we'll 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 stick around and continue to record some more and uh, continue this conversation, and we'll do it in a two parter. How about okay. that? That sounds good. good. All sounds, right. Sounds good, Jimmy. Phil, it's been a pleasure. All right, we'll Appreciate see. your availability and uh, your uh, passion for the Lord and to God be the glory. Amen. Well, we'll see you back here next week, folks, right here on Life Song Radio. Does it fit across the shoulders? Will it fade when it gets older? We throw ideas that aren't in style in the Salvation Army pile and search for something more to meet our needs.
Psalm 6930. I will praise God's name in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving. This is Life Song Radio.